I think the problem right now is there are so many technologies and tools out there and architects have a habit of using technologies as softwares and tools and not as techniques and methods. You're about to enter the Akyan Podcast. Akyan Podcast. India's first and very own architecture podcast where you'll hear the insights, experiences and journeys from India's leading architects. No matter what your skill level is, together we'll build on our knowledge and share architecture's greatest stories ever told. Now, here's your host, Manish Paul Simon. Hey guys, welcome back to the Akyan Podcast. I'm super stoked to share this episode with y'all because we have one of our first guests back in the show sharing with us his journey of five years with Rat Lab Studio. This is design entrepreneur, architect, computational designer, and educator Sushant Verma. If you guys want to listen to the first two episodes that he did with us on Akyan, you can head to akyan.com/slash zero two and also slash zero three. I must say that those two episodes were the very first episodes on Arkyan. So this guest is a very special guest, and he never fails to amaze us with the kind of work he is doing, which is computational and parametric design, education, and collaboration with a lot of architects, designers, not only in India but across the world. This episode is no less exciting than the ones before. In fact, it gets better because he shares a lot of interesting information. He takes us through his five years of Rat Lab, and he also shares the top five technologies they've experienced, top five tools they've developed, top five travel and academic experiences. He got to travel to a lot of cities, right from Taiwan, Philippines, London, Ukraine. The list is endless. We also dwell into some deep topics, like should you start your firm at a very young age, and at which stage is technology presently in. Considering the bell curve, and at which stage India is regarding technology, especially in the architectural field. Towards the end, we have a quick fire round where he shares his top five plugins, resources, and lots more. So this episode, like before, is jam packed with a lot of information. You'll get all that information by listening to this episode, and also by referring to the links and reference notes. Available on our website, which is akyan. dot com slash twenty five. I hope this episode inspires you guys, and you learn something out of this episode. I sure did learn a ton. Now, without further ado, I'm going to jump right into the episode. Sushant shares what has changed in the five years since starting Rat Lab. Let's go, guys. It's going to be almost five years of Rat Lab, and I'm sure you had like a proper roller coaster, right? So. What's changed the most for you in five years and for RatLab? Oh well, uh, I mean it's it's been a roller coaster ride to be honest, and uh, yeah, I mean on twenty third of December we're just uh, we're going to be officially uh, finishing uh, five years of our Indian journey, so to say. Right. Uh, as we discussed last time about the whole journey of RatLab, how we started in twenty twelve in London, me and Pradeep. uh yeah it's, it's been a crazy ride so far and uh, you know coming to india was uh, a big decision uh, for both of us and uh, of course i took the charge and i took control of things setting up the studio in delhi and these five years have been uh, you know game changer for us overall right, because right. we have evolved as professionals we've evolved as a studio as an organization 
the team has grown the work and scope and services have kind of diversified so much and uh, yeah it's it, it's been a very interesting journey and uh, we're very we feel very fulfilled and accomplished and humbled at the same time uh, uh, by by touching this milestone and uh, looking forward to the next five and more beyond that as well yeah absolutely i still remember you know during the last episode where you kept saying what's next so you're working in zahadid architects and then you decided like to quit and jump on to this journey right so in retrospect i guess it was a very good decision right yeah i mean i i i'd like to think so that it was a good decision because uh, uh, i mean no no regrets of course there are times to be honest manish we we come across in fact uh, in in the last one or two years we've had so many moments where i have actually started to think about and you know ponder upon the fact that was it a good decision you know what is it worth right uh, being out of the you know working with the best of the studios in the world and uh, you know moving forward to do something else and uh, of course i that's just a momentary uh, reaction to things that we uh, you know challenges that we face to be honest uh, but to be honest we've learned to overcome that and learn to accept that uh and uh, yeah I, i i i'd like to think that it was a good decision and uh, i'm still in touch with a lot of uh, you know zhj peeps out there so awesome uh, fun yeah all right and you're in the space uh, which is very very interesting which is computational design design technology and it's going to influence our field a lot in the coming years so what's been the top five technologies you've experienced over the years and where do you see technology going forward right so uh, i think we've seen a drastic amount of change uh, and you know like uh, in fact it was yesterday i was speaking to uh, you know head of a company uh, who have an office in india but it's an american company and we are planning to associate with them on uh, some technological aspects and collaborations right and we 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 had hit this exact same question in the conversation yesterday uh, that uh, you know how we started and where we are right now because and i was telling them you know in 2012 when we uh, started the you know the organization as as a two people studio so to say uh, the, the whole idea was to bridge the gap between design and technology you know that was mm-hmm. our whole aim and uh, fortunately or unfortunately we are still at the same page because the gap mm-hmm. still lies and will always lie to be honest yeah uh, it's just that how close we are able to bring it you know to with each other uh, in one way or the other uh and uh, yeah i think things have changed top five technologies yeah i mean computation being at the core of it i i would say uh, so for us computational design has been uh, you know the primary umbrella under which everything has been coming up so to say so you know a lot of i would say uh, the whole methodology of designing parametrically and uh, so parametric design would be would be the first and the top for for us right now mm-hmm. which is something that uh, has really been a game changer in a lot of ways in education and profession both uh, and then uh, you know recently we started to develop our own tools so i would say computational tool development is something that we initially had thought we would pursue and we stopped for a bit but during uh, you know a lot of collaborations and projects we realized that we ended up producing a lot of uh, toolkits for ourselves mm-hmm. which was successful in creating a precedent for the next project right uh, and so you know tool development has been another aspect of it i mean and there are various tools which we can talk about later maybe you know like 
analyzing an auditorium seating to uh, optimizing the visibility of an office space and all sorts of things. So tool development is definitely one. And I think we then started to look into augmented reality as well and virtual reality, which I would kind of position them together. Uh, and that's something that uh, has been, uh, you know, something that we have been exploring now uh, in terms of uh, how to present our projects, demonstrate the ideas and kind of play around in the project. So we've been using a couple of apps and, uh, you know, collaborating with a few VR groups as well, right. where we are, uh, you know, exploring virtual reality environment and trying to see how we can uh, design within that. So that is something that is uh, our next target, to be honest. Uh, yeah, and and next would be, I would say, machine learning, which is something that, and artificial intelligence, which is something that we are trying to inculcate into some of the tools that we are developing. And it's a long shot, really, to be honest. You know, it's something that, uh, at least in our expertise, isn't possible immediately, but that is something that we are headed towards, where we are right. creating certain tools which can learn by itself using the parameters and inputs that we feed and the data that it, uh, you know, collects. And then it starts to uh, use that to create something more smarter and intelligent. Uh, so you got so like a big team working on this or? We have a bunch of people working with us in different places, to be honest. So it's, it's more of a, still more of an associative model, how we started with. Yeah. Uh, the Delhi office, we have about seven, eight people here. Uh, we have we have been planning to set up an office in Chennai as well. And that's something which has been on the cards because I also run smart labs in Chennai. So with the help of the institution, uh, RVS, who we collaborate with for our smart labs, uh, we are able to, you know, uh, have a space right now in Chennai where, uh, many of our previous smart lab students are acting up as researchers. And nice. that is something that we are trying to develop into a complete R and D, uh, for our studio and education, both. Nice, nice. Uh, so yeah, that's pretty much. Uh, and you're tied up with uh, a bunch course. of universities as well, right? We actually, uh, we are not actually. I mean, to be honest, we at Atlab Education is completely independent entity. Right. Uh, we do approach a lot of universities, and or, or at times the other way around as well. A lot of universities approach us. Uh, for conducting workshops. So we already have some, you know, preset programs now, which can just plug in into their curriculums. Okay. Uh, so things are much more sorted and scaling up, to be honest, now at this time. You know, last we spoke, uh, it was more about, you know, engaging with a lot of universities. And now our programs are pretty much sorted. We've just moved into the Global Visiting School, uh, which has been happening in various countries. Uh, the next one is London. We just finished Ukraine and Belarus. Nice. And uh, that is something which is... And and it's kind of lining up our academic schedule for the next year 2020 as well uh, already awesome so you spoke yeah. about these tools uh, which you guys worked on so is there any like top five uh, tools that you guys created uh i think there are a lot of workflows uh that we have created uh we haven't really released i mean in terms of tools yeah of course we we release one uh you know um very sweet and uh, useful and uh, cheesy tool, which was called Spyrorat, which was uh, something we released earlier this year. So this is and a plugin for uh, Grasshopper, right? It's a plugin for Grasshopper. It's right. an open to use, free to use plugin, which, uh, you know, one of the interns who was working with us, Praneet, uh, he, he really worked pretty hard on that to nice. uh, convert the idea that I threw on the table one day. 
uh, after looking at spirographs and understanding the mathematics and geometry and he and, and the, she was another team member on the project and you know all three of us pretty much uh, put like two months into it then con- created that into a tool and uh, it's a free to use tool where one can create mathematical patterns simple complex and create shapes and we decided to release that to a lot of friends and artists and architects who started to use that and create cool patterns and send it back yeah, to us. As kids, we used to create those patterns, right? With yes, the, exactly. So I was yeah. really fascinated with that as when I was a kid, uh, you know, like uh, I was, I used to play with the spirographs. I, I, I didn't, of course, know at that time that it's called spirograph. And that is something that I stumbled upon later. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, the whole idea was to digitalize that physical system and see what it can do for us. And I think it's been pretty interesting. Nice. And uh, so that is one tool which we have, of course, released uh, uh, out to the public. Then there is another very interesting tool that we developed in-house was the visibility of an auditorium, which is uh, for a project we worked on uh, uh, with Arcorp Architects uh, in Delhi and they approached us for this uh, project of uh, a convention center in Dwarka and the auditorium in Pragati Medan, which is both our ongoing projects. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we did was we created this uh, uh, platform within using Python, C Sharp and Grasshopper. And Pradeep extensively worked on that project because we didn't have the expertise in-house at that time in the Delhi studio. Right. So Pradeep was in Germany that time. And so he, he's back in India now, is it? No, he's uh, he's teaching at Bartlett in London now. So, okay, okay. So, the, the, so I mean, that's what uh, that's how it's been. You know, one of us has to keep traveling. So that's pretty much how we are uh, nice. doing so many associations. And to be honest, I'm the static one now. But my travels are not now workshop oriented. Right. Uh, so he was in China before, then moved to Germany, and now he's in London teaching at Bartlett. And uh, so yeah, he he uh, contributed quite quite a lot on this uh, tool. And uh, it allows you to calculate the visibility of every single seat in an auditorium while you're designing it. And it gives you the percentage and the data and, uh, you know, how you can improve the efficiency, what seats are better, what seats are have lower visibility and all sorts of things. Okay. We haven't released that as a tool yet, but that's something that's on the cards right now. And we plan to do that for some stadiums and auditorium projects. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, these would be like two of the five, I would say. Okay. And nice. uh, uh, I mean, another few tools have been, I think the rest of the tools have been mostly about, uh, there have been some spatial analysis tools where, which we are working on where uh, we plan to, uh, you know, generate plans and layouts uh, based on certain parameters for office spaces. So we, have, we are working on these uh, co-working spaces and experience centers for OYO. Right. Uh, across India and uh, uh, quite quite a, quite a number of projects to be honest and uh, what we started to test out was uh, instead of uh, getting the brief from the client and then you know uh, trying to scribble around and work out a plan as per the requirements why can't we use generative design and computation mm-hmm. to create something and I think that's something that's really been on the on the you know a lot of highlight right now because uh, a lot of people i know have been posting things about 
self generating plans in the future of architects and stuff yeah. like that there was this plan uh, from finch 3d where uh, yes yes exactly yeah, finch yeah. 3d was the one to release that and became viral and yeah, uh, yeah. so basically the plan when you size the plan it automatically reduces the bedrooms and walls and all that right it just it just self organizes everything yeah, based yeah. on the parameters and cool. associations that we said it's pretty cool but people find it dangerous i think it's cool so <laughs> that's how i would put it and uh, we started working on spatial analysis and studies uh, when we had started ratlab to be honest 2012 okay. and i think uh, we had two associates at that time uh, stemasios who later on uh, joined norman foster Mm-hmm. uh and i think he's still there in london um keep keep uh, chatting and then i'm going to be catching up with him soon and then abhimanyu was there uh, uh who was working with space and tax group so uh we kind of closely worked on to creating a system where we can evaluate a plan optimize a plan and a layout of an office space which we were doing and consulting on uh, this was a project in london nice. and uh, it became a good testing ground for us and we uh started to look into that when we started this oyo project last year and uh, here we are trying to test out various alternatives we have a team who's working on this uh, the project in a very conventional manner uh and there's another team which is trying to develop the tool and we are trying to right now con- uh, compare the both results of both so it's more of a research uh, stage right now and uh, based on the discoveries that are going to happen we will decide what are the next steps so that's pretty much the next third tool i would say which is uh, coming out quite interesting nice uh, and then the next would be i mean i would say the next two would be various tools that we created for facades so mm. we have managed to i mean we're doing this project uh, uh, in gujarat and uh, one in gurgaon we did where we developed this tool where one can put in the you know geometrical parameters and aspects and you can understand the cost and the materials and the amount of uh, the, the next tool we recently created was we can calculate the amount of machine time that a cnc milling machine will use uh, uh, to to fabricate the whole facade so you know getting the cost of a fabricator has become very easier it's helping in the workflow and these are all internal in house developed tools and workflows uh I'm not sure if we we're going to uh you know take it take it out as a tool as an open to source tool or something like that so uh let's see that really depends on uh, how we move on the next what we plan to do in the next 5 years let's say right. <laughs> so it all depends on that yeah so you worked on like various projects over the years which involved a lot of research what do you feel was your maybe top 5 projects that uh, you got to work on okay so uh yeah i mean it's hard to define top 5 i mean there have been plenty of projects and associations that we have worked on uh, off hand if i can think of something these tools definitely have been like a project for us itself uh so that is definitely uh, one thing i mean I, the last i remember the, the the most interesting and the cool project is a temple project in south india mm-hmm. uh, which we are doing with this uh, chennai based architectural park architects mm-hmm. and uh, and with them i think we they got us on board as computational designers for this project and it was all about uh, you know looking into numerology and looking at the number 11 which was very particular uh, number for the client due to many reasons mm. um, including including vastu and uh, 
so we looked and into number 11 and looked into a polygon of 11 sides which is called a hendecagon uh, to be honest we never knew of this geometry before uh, this project uh, okay. once we started to research into hendecagon we started to realize what can we produce out of a hendecagon which is more sacred and pure and we did some very interesting explorations of form and geometry tweaking on mathematical parameters uh and uh, you know using that we have kind of developed the project and uh, it's still the conceptual uh, development stage right now it's been pitched and uh, uh, things have been moving forward at its own pace and uh, uh, hopefully uh, one would have a temp- temple which is computationally designed mm-hmm. so that is one of the uh, i would say in the top 5 i would say another i would say is a uh, you know initial one of the initial projects we did was uh, an experience center in noida for a stone factory and uh, i think there we were really innovative in what we did to be honest because we managed to create an algorithm which can use any size of a triangle measured on the site and create a three dimensional pattern out of that which can be converted into an uh, cnc milling file which is an stl file stereolithography mm. uh, and it was done on white marble so that was a very innovative part uh, of course every project so this was more of an interior it was an interior space yes absolutely yeah, okay. and uh, so of course i mean every project has its own story so i won't get into stretching each project but naming the top five on my list is uh, the second one and the third would be one of the facade projects initially which was very interesting which was uh, with my friend and mentor abhishek bej uh, who has design plus architects and uh, i From think that's sushant also because sushant school of architecture right? yeah he's he's a sushant i was yeah. five years senior he was my guide and uh, we've collaborated on quite a few things now and uh, i think i mentioned about him last time as well yeah, he yeah. was the one pretty much introduced me to computation and uh, i i owe it all to him so yeah i mean we have a, a good association now on various projects as well and we recently collaborated on a competition which was a lot of fun but i think what was really close to uh, us at core was uh, the facade project we did in gurgaon hmm. uh, which was for with design plus and uh, also because it was one of the uh, first built projects at that scale in our first year of uh, indian office mm-hmm. so i think that really helped us uh, you know move forward in the facade space as well so i think that was a very special project i would say and then uh, uh, you know there are yeah there are there are a lot of projects we did in hyderabad which were uh, we are still which are still in the development stage right now which was at the company called urban zen in uh, in hyderabad we collaborated with and uh, there's a corporate office and uh, and a facade project which is very fluidic very uh, i would say very zaha like uh, in terms of its language and vision because that right. was the intent of the architects as well uh, that can we do this in india so you know the steps that we took forward to design it optimize the geometry rationalize it and 3d print certain parts of it and value engineer it uh, has been quite uh, uh, you know quite quite fascinating so i would collectively call all of those hyderabad uh, you know projects as a fun another i can tell you was a pitch that we made for infosys uh, in bangalore mm-hmm. uh it was also special because we presented that project directly to mr Nara- uh, mr narayan narayan murthy yes and uh, so that was i think a very good experience this was with uh, with the va group it was a con- concept project at that time 
there have been plenty of other you know built and far more developed projects but i think that association itself was quite interesting i would say so that will fall into the top 5 and i'm sure i can name 5 or 10 more which are of my my favorites uh but i think these are the top 5 that come to my list immediately right now awesome so seems like you're collaborating with a lot of uh, big companies and small ones as well right so that's yeah, pretty yeah. cool yeah i mean that's that's pretty much happening and uh, to be honest i mean when we uh, started to you know look into this aspect of 5 years of ratlab india uh we we actually thought of uh, you know uh, looking into our archives and putting a database of you know what all projects we worked on who did we work with uh was it a healthy association was it an average association was it was it a bad association right. how long did it last and stuff like that is it still continuing and you know it is giving us a lot of uh, insights about uh, about people and ourselves as well how we are working what we need to do Uh, so I think data is always the key to understanding anything. You know, it, it is really allowing us to, and that's when we realize that it's a, we have managed to have a very broad uh, spectrum of works, a lot of scales and typologies, and a lot of architecture studios and designers who we have worked with, and it's been a lot of fun. I mean, uh, right from fashion designers to interior designers to to other architects, and yeah, so that's. Uh, a lot of things have been happening let's say and yeah. i would say like financially also now it's uh, working out right working with other architects and collaborating with them financially never works out for architects yeah that's the problem so <laughs> okay. I, mean, uh, i mean jokes apart on a serious side not yes definitely i mean things are uh, things have improved uh, to be honest um, those are business challenges you know which we have to solve through a very business and analytical approach right, that right. has nothing much to do with the projects and the architects we work with and that is something that uh, uh, you know i know you would be asking this question at the end as well about uh, which you typically ask about the tip to the young architects and yeah, designers yeah. <laughs> uh, so i can just talk a little bit about it right now that you know understanding the business aspect of things is very important and there's nothing wrong in understanding uh, how a business is run how do we administer thing how do we you know uh, manage things uh, we have to take all sorts of roles to be honest and uh, i think fortunately uh, we have managed to crack it down right from our day one because we were very very organized and sorted right from the beginning you know right from organizing of data to folder structures to projects to database to documentation to accounting uh, to filing uh, to taxation laws uh, you know pretty much everything and i think that has really helped us because that was the foundation and now things are much more sorted even if they get complex they are solvable all right so, and what's your association yeah. with uh, bim because bim is definitely where we are all headed to and you're already in the design aspect of things but what about the documentation part of which is mainly what bim is all about right so i think uh, you know bim is a very broad uh, you know uh, Uh, domain i would say and to be honest uh, there have been times where we ended up looking into the bim aspect of things in fact i have a very interesting story about this one you know we uh, we got this project uh, uh, i mean we were asked to give an expression of interest for this project which was a bim project which was dealing with parametric design and bim together right right uh, and that was very challenging because you know we spoke to a lot of bim experts who we could understand and you know knew uh, who have been doing this work we to be honest have never had a uh, 
a very inclined focus towards BIM solely. You know, we have always looked into computation design as as a large spectrum of things. Uh, BIM falls under it somewhere, uh, as and how required. See, BIM is about having information in a model. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's a building information modeling. So computationally, when we design something, we still have that information as data. Mm-hmm. So at core, if you look at it conceptually, we are a BIM-based practice in the way we work. But at the same time, we are not a conventional BIM-based modeling group, which looks into Revit models or any other kind of you know BIM platforms. Okay. So the story that I was coming on to was this project pitch that... Uh, you know, we it, it came to us that we had to do a sample fit for making a parametric design and parametrically designed geometry, which is very complex and doubly curved, uh, into integrated into a BIM platform. Okay. And uh, it was a very challenging project. Came through, rooted through a series of people, through a series of firms. And uh, the moment we realize who the parent organization is from where the problem uh, solving started to come out, uh, we were blown out that, you know, like, I mean, this is a big project. This was for the Dubai Expo and this was a project. uh, uh, I don't think we have an NDA, so I can talk a little bit about that. So uh, it it was a Kalatravas project. So, so, I mean, Kalatravas project, because they faced a problem because they could not solve it. So it got outsourced to someone who outsourced it to someone else. And it came down to a firm in Hyderabad <laughs> and it came okay. down to us. <laughs> and it was crazy. But then we did manage to make a little model of that uh, roof structure, uh, which was parametric in BIM together. Uh, but it did not really go forward uh, because of the timelines and the coordinates. Mm-hmm. Uh, were kind of not aligned but uh, that was I th- but otherwise we don't look into the BIM aspect like the a lot of groups are looking into so I don't think we have the right expertise I would I would very honestly say that or even talking about modeling. visual scripting right like so we have Grasshopper for Rhino similarly we have Dynamo oh. for Revit uh, yes so do you feel like in the future that these two would combine and maybe we would have just one platform where architects could come script and I think architects can still script pretty well and in a very good control using Grasshopper and various other tools and uh, these things may or may not come together because that's been something that a lot of computational designers have been trying to do since the last many years. Uh, In fact, since since the last, I remember when I was at Zaha as well, you know, like a lot of people in my team were trying to optimize the workflow because you know half of the team was designing uh, on Maya and then it was going to uh, be optimized in Rhino and Grasshopper mm-hmm. and remodeled and then there's a BIM team which is going to be looking into it and the contractors are going to be looking into it mm-hmm. so uh, we never managed to uh, as of now we haven't gone to that scale of and scale and complexity of the project because we uh, uh, but but the moment we do I mean we'll, we'll address the issue of course I think the problem right now is there are so many technologies and tools out there and architects have a habit of using technologies as softwares and tools and not as techniques and methods. And I think that is where the difference lies because, and then there are a set of computational designers which are trying to combine the workflows, combine software A with B and B to C and A to C and stuff like that. Uh, Sometimes it's useful, sometimes it's not. to be honest, I am not a believer on, and that's just personally my view on as a design technologist, that I am not a believer of uh, 
you know what software is better than the other or what workflow is better i think it's it's all to do with what project you're working on and project to project basis to be honest all right so yeah that's what i would say all right so yeah. uh, you know i have a lot of uh, these connections on linkedin mostly from the west uh-huh. in australia where there's always something right. very interesting coming out every day and they're always creating new codes new uh, scripts and they're right. sort of automating our workflows right but when you uh, yeah, see what's happening the right yeah so when you see what's <laughs> happening in the indian context uh, we're still way behind so how do you feel like what has been your challenges or your maybe your top five challenges uh, parting this education and knowledge in india right uh i think yeah we are we are way behind but uh, that's how we started to be honest we always started uh, you know let's say 50 years behind so we're now maybe 30 years behind so mm-hmm. we have definitely jumped uh, taken a leap forward for sure uh, and that's of course an exaggerated uh, figure but uh, no i mean but the point is that uh, uh things are changing things have been changing people are following i think it will be great to see when people start to dig deeper into understanding a technology or methodology or doing something rather than using uh something as a tool or a software i think our approach towards technology is very very different you know there are two sides of the coin and that's something that i really believe in that it's a very contradictory thing that we often face uh on one side we we try to resist technology uh that you know like we don't want to use technology because we can sketch or we can we can design it through other ways and i can do this on sketchup i can do this on other software and why do i need to do this so we have a very resisting yeah. uh outlook towards technology most of us to be honest and I, you can't blame anyone for that that's just how we are you know socially or culturally or technologically you know all all of them combined yeah because most of uh, us feel that we're not using our brains uh when we are just yeah. using technology and the tools right that's the biggest myth right? and that's very difficult to get away with to be honest because most of us think that using technology means our brain is not put into use or uh artificial intelligence is going to take away uh, human intelligence and stuff like that or we will start to lose jobs because, but that is not the case those are very very naive arguments that keep happening and they will continue to happen i would say so on one hand we have a very resisting you know outlook towards technology on the other hand we uh we also want technology at the at the click of our button or at the at our fingertips <laughs> so that we can click a button and it will solve our problem yeah you know we want to click and then we want the you know uh the the heating system to converting into a cooling system or cooling system to convert into heating system stuff like that you know like we want we want to fly by on the click of a button so it's a very uh ironic behavior that we kind of demonstrate uh but yeah i mean this is what i've i've really noticed in, in india we have we are playing on both the sides so to be honest things will start to change when we become less uh, you know resisting to technology or start to uh, you know not uh, go against it or something like that and at the same time we not we do not seek technology as a problem solver only we should see it as a part of our uh, process right uh, and i think you know technology is like a smartphone or a technology is like a, you know any other gadgets or you know communication devices and whatsapp and all sorts of things those have really managed to bridge the gap you know we never questioned that too much but somehow in architecture and design 
the gestation period of every technology is a little too long and it's taking uh, a little more time for every technology to be adopted properly yeah and also there's this bell curve right where we have the early adopters and the late adopters yes. so i yeah. we are right yeah, on I mean, the I'm late adoption phase up. right yeah i'm i'm glad you brought it up actually we just at the innovators phase the 2.5% of population you know so so the bell curve is very interesting and i often use that uh, you know uh, in my this thing in my in my talks and uh, whenever i talk about <coughs> excuse me how the technologies have evolved so the bell curve obviously uh you know tells you that how there are five phases of using technology and uh, you know how there are it starts with the first 2.5% of population which is mm-hmm. uh, innovators and the 13.5% of early adopters and the next is 34% of early majority and the late majority 34 then the laggard 16% so somehow I've spoken about it too much that it's at the tip of my finger <laughs> yeah so but to, i think most of the architectural technologies are still in the 2.5% phase only 2.5% of people are actually using these technologies properly okay and okay. it's slightly shifting towards early adopters mm-hmm. and a lot of technologies will die right after this things which are successful which can surpass this you know chasm of going from early adopters to early majority uh, that is where most of the technologies get uh, killed mm. uh, for whatever reasons i mean there are multiple parameters and multiple reasons for that so in architecture i think we're still at a very early phase even if it's taking us a long time the adoption level is very very low and whoever is adopting it is adopting it in a wrong way and that is again coming to the same point which i mentioned that we want to use it as a shortcut you know or yeah, to yeah. solve our problem without thinking so we have to learn to use technology smartly rather than expecting you know our cities to be smart and technology to be smart we have to be smart in our uh, how we use technology that's something that i really believe in yeah all right and uh, you yeah so you've been doing a lot of workshops and you've been giving a lot of lectures uh, and you've been traveling a lot as well right so what's been your right. top five experiences traveling i mean i i seen you go to ukraine to philippines to so many other countries yeah. so it's pretty awesome so what's been your yeah. top five academic uh, experiences yeah i think uh, uh, what what our educational entity has uh, you know uh, done for me at a personal capacity is you know like make me go to various places so these are like really all work oriented travels which uh, are very fruitful because we are able to conduct workshops create more awareness and yet uh, uh, you know get to travel so that is something which is quite interesting and it is and i think it all started because we uh, kind of diversified into this global visiting school uh, where we are able to uh, you know uh, work on symposiums and talks and lectures uh, and workshops with various organizations and uh, we're able to do that in various countries you know like and it all started when initially uh, I started with doing workshops and lectures uh, in Italy, and we did I think three cities back to back. Nice. And then later on, we were uh, I was invited to be a tutor in, in Egypt and Cairo, mm-hmm. and that that got cancelled last minute because the government fell and the, there was a political stir there. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then we did a few workshops in in in, in London and small tutorials, and even then we were in in US. So uh, and I think Taiwan happened at that time. Uh, Uh, with with another group called Extra Fabrica, which was I think a very interesting event for twelve days, 
and i think right after that then tokyo happened then recently philippines and ukraine belarus london is next and then we have malaysia and few more countries lined up next and dubai uh so i think it's been a very interesting journey of taking forward the whole discussion and discourse of computational design and technology in a global setup because we often think you know and, and you clearly mentioned that you know you see that a lot of good things are happening in the west mm-hmm. to be honest when you really dig dig down deep you'll realize that they are in a very similar phase as we are mm-hmm. it's just that the percentage of people is different but uh, there are people in other you know much more advanced countries and ecosystems are not aware of technologies are not okay. using computation or any okay. other kind of technologies in architecture so and in fact that's something that again i i spoke about in the last podcast with you as well that the, uh, when the when the japanese company approached us to help them in technology consultancy so that was a big blow for us you know like we realized okay this is pretty weird you know because we we always saw japan as very high tech and you know stuff like that so uh that's the same in many countries to be honest i think that the best five i would say i mean ukraine was i mean my last two were ukraine and belarus ukraine was pretty pretty good actually okay uh small team of very dedicated people uh also because the conference was on architecture of the future where there were discussions about building on mars and uh ஒரு and and with no offense to anyone in belarus uh, if they happen to listen to this by any chance uh, uh, i did not even know of the country to be honest and it is okay you know or my you know it's my ignorance to or having poor geography or being too busy with other things that i have no idea where belarus was and but uh, but i met this person from belarus in ukraine he uh, you know he talked talked uh, talked me through the program and what they are planning to do and it was very interesting i mean we had 64 students there were eight tutors and then the workshop was my workshop was after that and it, the whole you know experience was very different very intense we were working pretty much from 10 am to 12 o'clock at night uh 50 oh, wow. 60 students sitting in a space and you know thought process and creatively moving forward i think it was a lot of fun so i think that was uh, definitely another one and uh, uh, i'm really looking forward to the london one and hopefully that comes up in the top 5 list now uh, which is happening in january so this is in aa uh, in your college or no so this is uh, organized by uh, a group called materials driven in uk which is a material based agency so mm-hmm. and i'm leading the workshop so it's a collaboration with materials driven and uh, and then we have guest speakers from uh, uh, from from zahari architects and nice. architects and uh, tutor from bartlett and drl and mtech graduates so we're trying to build it make it into a 
very interesting discourse or conversation about computational design where i will be teaching about uh, computation and using grasshopper and other methods and uh, so yeah that's going to be and, and it's happening at the heart of london very right 5 minutes walk from bartlett and a okay uh, but it's a, but it's an independently organized workshop like typically how we do in india as well awesome uh, and w- so yeah, yeah so what does yeah. a typical workshop entail uh, in general smart lab workshop right so smart lab is a 6 month program that is something that we developed uh, you know after years of working on on workshop structures and that is something that we developed as a as a you know as a mini master or, or an induction to masters program to be honest uh smart labs is a mix of studio learning and online learning where uh, we have a batch of about 35 students uh, every time uh and uh, they we we meet once a month for a studio either in chennai or delhi and then there is a curriculum that we follow uh mm-hmm. and then there is a uh, there are online sessions happening two between every studios which are also taken by uh, the foreign tutors which we have on board nice uh, which are all industry experts like arturo tideshi michael prior uh mohammad yazdi from from iran so we have italy usa iran all contributing to our indian students and giving them knowledge and information and uh, so that takes them right from the basics of computational design to preparing them to the advanced levels of computation nice. in the six months because that is the amount of time that one requires dedicatedly uh, to be able to hold have a strong expertise in this and i think we've had some very interesting results in the last two batches the third batch is going on right now the fourth batch has already started to enroll itself and uh, it, it's been growing rapidly now i mean for us awesome and yeah we are able to look into concrete 3d printing we are able to look into augmented reality virtual reality and computation at its core 3d printing and lots of fabrication building performance sustainability i mean you name it and we have it as a part of the curriculum in terms of the exposure that we trying to give so hopefully that helps students to uh, you know choose a better masters program and uh or get in get a, get a direct entry to a masters program in any of the foreign universities yeah i think a lot of students should make yeah. use of uh, such um, platforms right because back then when we were in college and all that uh, it yeah. was pretty much where we had to scratch what is there on the internet and figure things out on yeah. our own right True. so it's True, pretty absolutely. it's pretty awesome yeah for well, shaping up well i think and we're looking forward to the next few batches as well and how we are kind of changing that and i think uh, so we are working on this with rvs uh, college in, in chennai and they are planning to organize uh, a large conference on design technology uh, in 2020 uh, where it's going to be a tie up with smart lab students and uh, that's something which is very exciting as well and they've got me on board as a curator for that so i'm curating all the speakers and uh getting all the speakers on board who are experts in computational design so hopefully we can have some very interesting dialogues and conversations of the kind which we haven't had in this country before so that is our target at least from my side uh, as a vision awesome so it's pretty exponential uh, the kind of growth the rat lab has had and i guess in the future you would be i think i would like have to book an appointment or you'll be pretty busy i guess so <laughs> No I mean uh, to be honest I mean we still operating in a very candid way the way we started and uh, we'd like to continue to keep it like that as a very open studio and approachable uh, studio of course I mean uh, 
Pradeep is very inaccessible for for a lot of people. For me as well, to be honest, because okay. of the other ingredients <laughs> and the time zone differences always. But I keep catching hold of him almost on a weekly basis. Uh, and and now I'm going to catch up with him when I go to London now. So which is lined up, and. Uh, and and he was in bangalore last year so i mean we we did a workshop together and stuff like that so when we keep doing those kind of stuff uh i think we have had our own challenges quite a few to be honest uh but not that i'm planning to kind of talk about the challenges and stuff but it's it's not always what you know uh, it appears like of course there is a perception of things being going great in the five years we've managed to do a lot of things the growth has been exponential business has been expanding uh uh you know going starting from zero to coming to where we are right now in a very comfortable situation uh the challenges are happening every day you know every day there is a new challenge we come across people which are uh of of a weird breed altogether and you know like because <laughs> yeah, we, because we are dealing with so many people and so many projects we we come across with so many kind of scenarios and people and it's very difficult to handle at times you know also because uh my my team usually uh you know most of the decisions that my team also takes that they like to root it through me and so i have to kind of come in front a lot of times being the uh, you know center of attraction uh which has its pros and cons both uh so it gets tough as well you know like uh, managing between life and work Uh, when everything is intertwined and everything becomes one uh but yeah it's been very exciting and to be honest i was discussing this uh i mean let me just tell you a quick you know yeah, sure. uh story like very short one though uh how we started when we decided to move to india and that's something that you know pradeep is going to be talking about in one of the uh video interviews that are also lined up okay uh that's how we started and when we decided to come to india and get the office here because uh we were in new york this time and we had just finished our 6 month residency in la and uh, we had another 6 months to uh before i could go back to uk if i was going back to where i left uh and pradeep had to go back to china or 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 uk or i mean that was indecisive uh but we had just done our three very large exhibitions in make affairs so after doing la and san francisco we went to new york so we were in new york for almost 10 days uh and i remember uh being at the bryant park which is in the close proximity proximity of times square mm-hmm. and uh me and pradeep had this talk because i'd been thinking of having this talk with pradeep for the last one week or something because i had almost convinced myself that i need to go back to india and get this started i need we need to have a physical office here and uh, i remember speaking to him about it and trying to convince him and talk him through that you know that let me do this if it doesn't work out after one year we'll we'll shift gears you know like but i think we need to do this in india because nobody is talking about this in india and yeah, yeah. we need to create a wave of change to be honest we never thought of it like that in such a fancy way that it's going to be a wave of change but it actually ended up like that because it started in a lot of things and activities uh, in the design fraternity and education as well so i had to convince him to make him understand this is going to be a business model this is what we're going to do how we're going to get the office how we're going to pay the rentals how we're going to get the projects where do we start from 
because from 2012 to end of 2014 it's just been floating around you know like things were not really structured because we had been engaged with other offices and uh, engagements as well right and uh, i managed to convince him that buddy give me give me one year let me go back let me search for a space and you know get things started and let's see if it doesn't work out i get back to what you are asking me to do uh, where we end up you know traveling around working here and there and stuff like that mm-hmm. and uh, i kind of yeah talked him through convinced him i had some good persuasive skills i'd like to say uh, and he would laugh it out when he listens to this one mm-hmm. uh, because he did not believe in it but he 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 believed in me like that was the thing and he always we we've always done that believed in each other as as partners and that's why it's it stayed long since we were till now and uh, moving on here from here on as well uh, so he got convinced the moment he got convinced i said okay we're not going to talk about it anymore because i realize he can change his mind you know the moment he comes up with a doubt or something next thing i remember finalizing my tickets to india moved back to india uh it took me two months to find a space and get things started and 23rd of december is when we uh officially I mean, took, yeah officially launched and started the office and uh, uh i i'm really indebted with the you know the, the first set of people that we had in the office to be honest you know who who really formed the core team with me and who believed in me and my vision and i think that's something that was uh, you know really commendable uh, for us awesome and that's yeah. ama- amazing story uh, sushant and congrats on completing 5 years i think yeah. i forgot to congratulate yeah. you on the episode <laughs> no, thank thank you so much yeah let's jump into the akyan quick fire round where i'll ask you a series of questions and then we'll wrap it up with few advices yeah all right so what is your top 5 favorite grasshopper plugins i'm sure you have like top 5 right Oh well I mean I'm loaded with the uh, Grasshopper plugins on my system I mean it's crazy I mean it's difficult to handle now so uh but yeah there have been quite a few actually which uh, I'll just name the ones which I most commonly end up using now uh uh one I would say is Spirorat of course on the top of my list at least because we created that so that is something definitely on the top of the chart so Spirorat okay uh, which is kind of i think cool and next i would say pufferfish is something which has been really very interesting and also because pufferfish is a part of our teaching program in smart labs where michael prior the founder teaches pufferfish to our students and it's a very interesting tweening geometry uh, i mean it's for tweening geometries and meshes from one phase to the other and stuff like that so it's pretty interesting and powerful tool and then lunchbox tool is something that i've been using since the inception of lunchbox or since the time i've been using grasshopper so that is something which is very handy i really use a paneling tool in, in oh, yeah, lunchbox for quads and yeah yeah. <clears throat> yeah so any kind of divisions and structural systems and stuff like that that really is a good starting point for a lot of things and uh, then i would say kangaroo kangaroo is really powerful physics uh, I, I, yeah so it's a physics engine where you can apply forces and create form and stuff like that and i think this is something which i've been slightly out of touch at times but but we started to introduce that in smart class program and aman is one of the co tutors with me who teaches that uh, and has a very strong expertise and hold on kangaroo uh, and physics simulation form finding so i think thanks to him that i started to get back in touch with kangaroo as well as had to use that a bit uh, in things uh, and the fifth one i would say uh, 
maybe paneling tool which is uh, which is slightly different from lunchbox but where we can do a lot of powerful things and we used lunchbox and paneling tool in one of our initial exhibitions that we did at design by design in Orleans for say okay maybe okay. this green color installation which became quite quite popular later on uh, as a facade system and stuff so i think these would be the five top five grasshopper plugins of my list i can remember yeah out of curiosity all these plugins are made by architects or are they made by these programmers and all that it's a, it's a, it's been a mix i think uh, i think but mostly there are architects playing some pivotal role in somewhere or the other but yeah there are computational experts on every of each of these programs which are created some are created by mathematicians and some are created by programmers nice. as you rightly said but then architects are always there as a part of the journey really yeah and uh, what do you feel like is the top 5 resources for someone trying to learn rhino and grasshopper uh i would i would start with what is the top resource one should not look into so okay. one should not go to youtube and start to look for tutorials blindly okay. that okay. is the worst thing to do and that is the most common mistake that people do you start googling up or youtube tutorials randomly out of so you're not learning in a structured manner so mm-hmm. that is the problem uh i'm not sure if there are top 5 but i can think of definitely the mode lab primer which is the most common one now and the most popular one uh in fact i think one of my uh, studio tutors from mtech is is a part of the team who developed uh, this group called mode lab okay. along with other experts and mode lab primer is the most common one we showed it around to our students as well uh second would be i think the arturo tedeschi's book on parametric design uh, i think it's called aad um, algorithmically aided designs uh that is a that is a bible for parametric design oh, so nice. get your hands on that one that is the best resource i would say and i would say it has to be a mix of digital and physical so that is why having a physical copy of a book in your hand is very very important to be honest because right, right. what people end up doing is we live in a digital age so we don't end up you know opening that pdf again and you know open going online again and stuff like that yeah, yeah. and then there is a parametric house which is an online portal which has tutorials of various kinds it's run by mohammad yazdi and without any biases i'm saying that also because we are working with him as one of our co-tutors in smart lab but uh, i think we have found it very very beneficial for for us to also learn and revise various principles so parametric house is definitely yeah, another one yeah i think i've found on linkedin he keeps posting all these cool he, patterns yeah, which he comes up yeah. with and he, and he covers everything right from and he's not an architect he's a civil engineer by profession by degree okay and uh, so he's a he's a hardcore computational designer i mean he's using it in a very smart way i would say so that's the third and the fourth would be uh, maybe one of the initial ones i remember was zubin khalvi's another iranian guy i think he's oh, he's he's one of the a graduates uh, okay and his his uh, tutorials were very very well written and well defined although the grasshopper versions have changed but i think his tutorials were still very helpful in understanding and the fifth i would say would be uh well, there's a tutorial on mathematics and geometry which i think is by raja isa uh, who developed paneling tool uh, which okay. is what i mentioned before as well and that takes you through the mathematics of geometry and curves and surfaces understanding that is very important i believe otherwise if you're just learning a software just as a software it's you're not going to end up too far 
and is ratlab also releasing uh, resources for us uh not really we have thought it quite 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 a few times we do have a handbook which we give to our participants in workshops and smart labs but it's mostly a curation and a compilation of uh the best of the resources that we know of to be honest and it's a uh it's because to be honest we've always felt that whatever we try to create as a resource is already something existing out there right so right. instead of you know reinventing the wheel why don't use the wheel in a smart way so so most of these people are collaborating with us and are happy to share their tutorials and resources so we're just able to collate that and give it to our students and teach them in the right way so i think for us uh actual teaching uh, is more important and right now that is the focus yeah but are you not looking at online courses uh, because that's a thing right now uh, right? we have been thinking of that so smart labs does have online programs but that is only for smart lab students right right uh we have been thinking of if we can release more programs and uh we are planning to collaborate with parametric house for a number of online tutorials and stuff so that's on the line something that might happen in 2020 yeah okay. so that's awesome. on the cards yeah all right yeah. uh, so ratlab is like of course the top uh, when it comes to design and research companies <laughs> but which other companies would you consider to be in the top 5 oh uh, i think uh, to be honest yeah i mean recently there was some somebody tagged us on the top 10 or top 9 design research companies and stuff like that as well and uh, when we looked into the others other guys on that we realized that you know we are we are too young to be on the list to be honest but okay. uh, we were glad that we were making it making it count uh, with whatever efforts we are able to put uh, there are many architectural groups i think a lot of them are in house groups some are independent which i find as uh producing a lot of great content and great research for architects and i would say uh and and i'm going to give you the five names but they are very very diverse i mean i would say mit media lab which is a completely academic very very different scale venture but mit media lab has really taken innovation in a different way in fact one of the persons who was working with us was in mit recently and uh yeah i mean this this great stuff that we get to know from mit and then i would say uh uh nbbj group i think uh, is is doing pretty interesting stuff mm-hmm. much more advanced that we can even think of doing right now in india and i think that's something that we really follow and look up to and then there are uh, groups like zh code which is ahadit code group which i think is doing some fantastic work uh that is led, led by uh, shajay bhushan uh, who's been uh, uh, at a pivotal role in the in, the, in that group and uh, i think zaha code is is definitely doing a lot of work and it's a lot of things are open source which people can use they share information and exchange knowledge and i think that is a very interesting research group there was a computation design group in fosters which i'm not sure if it still exists or it's diversified into something else and mm-hmm. they are doing some very interesting work uh another i would name is uh, hassel two names actually hassel and ai space factory which uh, uh whom i met in 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 ukraine uh so michael bentley was is heading ai space factory and they are doing projects of space stations on mars oh nice and hassel is also doing space stations on mars uh, using 3d printing material from mars itself so those are like i think uh you know design and research of a different line and uh, language altogether so i would really look up to that so i think those are top of the charts i mean we are we are just trying to you know 
change the profession in India uh, by facilitating architects. So I think, but yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, there are discussions on design research happening. And that's something that we really found that DRL was the hub for design research, which is the program in A, which was mm-hmm. initiated by Patrick Schumacher, uh, uh, the, the director of Zahadi Architects, yeah. yes. So I think that is the hub of, I would say, design research. That is the true laboratory of, of architectural design. And we are, we, we hope that we manage to reach that scale of things uh, in, in either smart labs or, or rat lab. Awesome. Professionally or awesome. academically, yeah. All right. And more informally, I, I would ask you, like, uh, what would be like the top five cities or your favorite five cities that you travel to and given workshops? Ah, well, so, uh, yeah, my, my top of the list would be London, for sure. I mean, no doubts about it. That's somewhere where I've really, like, the best years of my life have been in London, where I've grown from, uh, you know, from, from a student who was looking for some direction to getting into a space where we had to make our own directions and make our own ways. So I think London is definitely on the top of the chart as a favorite city. Uh, uh, New York would be next. Uh, somehow I like more urban places and busy places and fast life. So I would say London, New York, and uh, I I didn't like LA too much when I was living there. I don't yeah. think I'm going to like it too much. San Francisco is definitely one. Uh, San Francisco is uh, was was one city where uh, yeah we, we did a make us make a fair we were part of the make a fair there and we, we spent some decent amount of time. Uh, apart from that, I can't think of like cities. I mean, there have been a lot of cities where I visited. Bilbao was no, not Bil- Bilbao was a Gary's museum, but Barcelona was definitely another one. Uh, uh, I was recently counting the cities. I've managed to. Be in 20 countries oh, and nice. suddenly forget, forgetting names and all of this <laughs> happened in the last nine years and my first first one was London so I mean my first visit outside of India was to London when I went for masters and then uh, yeah but I would say maybe uh, uh, maybe maybe Tokyo was pretty pretty interesting as well so yeah I would say all of these places I would right. say all right. So before coming to a close, I just wanted to ask you, uh, there was a post of yours where you mentioned about uh, uh, architects starting off and the young architects starting off on their own. And then you said that uh, mm-hmm. I would give more respect to those ones who stick on to companies and then, yes. you know, uh, gain experience and then start up. Right. So could you um, briefly yeah. tell us more about this? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So. I think this was a part of another, uh, uh, you know, interview series by another media group that did uh, about startups and, you know, starting up yeah. architecture and stuff like that. And I think uh, when the discussions happened, I realized in the interview that uh, we have a very uh, corrupted system and how it corrupts us to a core to make us believe. Uh, corrupted is a wrong word, actually, but a, a very limiting system. Mm-hmm. Uh which makes us believe that, you know, having our own practice or having our own studio or running our own shop or whatever you want to call it is the, is the, is the better things of the, of the, of the others, you know, like is, is, yeah. is considered more superior. Uh, and to be honest, I remember when I was a student, you know, like as an architecture student, we always want to think of, uh, you know, like having our own practice or, 
you know, uh, being the studio director of a studio or taking the design sessions and or running our own practice one day and stuff like that. I think things have changed and become very collaborative in nature where mm-hmm. everything is a team role, mm-hmm. which we need to understand. So it's no more, you know, like my name and associates and, you know, like how things used to be in in 80s and 90s, you know, the architects, for example, posters and partners, you know, or a piece contractor and architects, you know, stuff like that. I mean, I, I, I have nothing against these things, but yeah, I would really value someone who has a more neutralized way of organizing things and it's just my personal take on things otherwise my, our studio's name would have been uh, you know Sushant and Pradeep <laughs> Associates or yeah, Pradeep yeah. and Sushant Architects and stuff like that so which I think would have been very boring yeah. so that has been a little more interesting though also because there was a reason of making it into a laboratory culture but coming to this part uh, yeah so there is a very limiting system that we we are made to believe that having our own practice is better and because of that, a lot of people are not even loyal to the the firms that they work with. Yeah, absolutely. And they end up like going out and because they want to do their own thing. Because you, as a society, we are made to believe that having your own thing is the best thing possible. You know, that is the most superior. And we start to look down upon people who are working in various organizations. So which is why I felt that we should stop celebrating only practices which are, you know, or architects who are having their own practice. Why aren't we celebrating people who are working in an organization yeah, and working absolutely. hard as a part of the team, be it for one year or five years or 10 years or 20 years, you know, people spend a lifetime to be a part of an organization and that takes its own pros and cons and working by yourself has its own pros and cons. I think we should celebrate both. So I truly believe that, you know, like we should not just, uh, you know, look into people who are having their own companies or studios or firms because to be honest in today's age it's not very difficult to form your own company it just take two minutes to make an instagram profile and then yeah. you think you're out you're, you think you're out there and have another studio or a company because you have about 200 people or friends following you uh, but to be honest the ground reality is very different it takes like years and years of efforts to build a practice uh, and it also takes even more hard work to be in a practice uh, or be a part of another organization. So I really respect people uh, who are a part of different organizations at different positions. And I believe in, uh, uh, you know, a professional equality uh, mm-hmm. in that sense. So I, I hope people start to recognize that and start to not just run after looking for forming their own practices or looking down upon people who are working somewhere and stuff like that. Because then you're making those people also always think that what is the next step? When am I starting my own practice? And a lot of people end up in depression or trauma because they realize that they don't have the knack of having their own practice because everybody has a different uh, expertise. Somebody is a good team worker. Somebody is a good manager, you know, like, and, uh, but I, I, I mean, I'm not ashamed to accept that I, I can, I cannot work in, I don't have the capabilities to work in an organization. Mm-hmm. So I ended up having our own practice. So, so I would twist it in a slightly different way, basically. Yeah. All right. And it's been five years of RatLab and there's a lot more exciting years coming up. So what are your future plans for RatLab Studio and uh, yourself? Uh, so I think we are diversifying uh, into different ventures, design-led ventures and, uh, you know, uh, and... I mean, right now on my, my profile, I, I it's clearly written that I'm a design entrepreneur. Uh, 
and I, I realized that the moment you start to write that there are a hundred more people who love to write the word entrepreneur on their bios and profiles yeah. and this thing because it, it looks cool and it looks like hey I have I, I can run my own business so I'm an entrepreneur but to be honest it takes it takes something else to actually uh, you know be an entrepreneur and and work in different directions and diversify and understand what is scaling up and uh, diversification and to be honest I am at the stage where we have managed to diversify quite a bit to be able to have a number of design led ventures which is why I'd like to uh, you know I'd love to evolve as a design entrepreneur as well uh architecture design stays at the core stays at the heart stays at the practice so that is something that definitely stays there but yeah definitely we are looking at uh, new ventures uh, there have been ventures which were started and they never took shape mm-hmm. uh, so hopefully they start to take shape at their own time and pace there is no rush towards it uh in a in a very organized manner that is something i really believe in there are a lot of new partnerships there are new partners and associations who are coming on board for different ventures and uh, i think it's 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 shaping up into a very different uh ecosystem of works that we as an organization are are doing so i hope in the future we are able to you know scale up certain ventures diversify uh and and at the same time uh make a large impact and that is very important because that is what we started with the whole idea was to connect research architecture and technology and i hope it stays like that in future as well and whatever we do uh, at the core we should be able to bridge the gap between design and technology and make an impact be it education or profession or any other uh, venture that we end up yeah awesome and hopefully you know a lot of us go overseas for masters but one day you know a lot of students would come to india come to rat lab studio and uh, gain expertise yeah, I mean, knowledge and things yeah hopefully i mean and we're looking to uh, you know expand uh, in a different way and to be honest like we just uh, finished 5 years uh, in the delhi office and we're finishing on 23rd and uh, the next step is we're uh, moving into some new spaces and new studios and uh, the next step is diversifying into that and our global visiting school is also uh, taking shape in a different manner awesome awesome so yeah that's the next step hopefully all right yeah and as part of the akyan tradition i think you mentioned before like the importance of business and all that but yeah. uh, what advice new advice would you give to our young architects and students well uh, yeah i'll stick to the same one and to be honest like understand the business of things and and do not not in a very negative way not to become too businessy or commercial about it but we need to be very very well structured and organized i think a lot of people uh, young architects i mean we still like to consider ourselves young uh, <laughs> although, although i have a few you know few gray hairs white hairs quite okay. a few now yeah quite a few actually so uh but no to be honest uh, patience and you know perseverance are two things it sounds very cliched but that's something i really believe that one can't be jumping onto something and we all have our own time zones that's i truly believe in that's something which has been uh, well spoken about by a lot of individuals uh and uh, understanding that everybody's time zone is different somebody might succeed early somebody might take its own time somebody might fail early somebody might fail late 
we all will have our you know ups and downs that's what life is that's how profession is we will have our good moments we will have our bad moments and we have to overcome the bad ones see them as challenges and opportunities and overpower them and i would at the end say you know go with the you know simon sinek's model of uh looking into why how and what outward uh, in three concentric circles uh because understanding the why of what we are doing is very very important so for all the young people we need to really understand why we are doing what we are doing and how it can make an impact in your life and others life as well and then look into how you're going to do it and then look into what you're going to do it i think most people do this mistake of starting with a what they want to do and then how they want to do it and why they want to do it somewhere get lost yeah so i think i think one should focus on the why part more often awesome all right thanks sushant it's been a very very informative session and uh, i personally learned few new uh, things about rat lab and the things you're doing so thanks a lot for coming on to the show yeah thank you thank you manish it's been a pleasure and uh, as much as i enjoyed the last last podcast this one was even more fun and uh, uh, it's always pleasure to have interactions with you and uh, you're doing great work agyan is doing fantastic work i'd like to say that i didn't get the opportunity to say that before and thank you, thank uh, you. i have been following all your podcasts as well and i've been listening to other people's stories and you know journeys and i think you're doing a fantastic work it's something which is very very unique and i hope you are able to you know take it forward to the envisioned place where you want to take it as well and scale it up from here and hopefully we we keep interacting for sure in future as well You've been listening to the Ak Young podcast. We're still building the community. Please share this knowledge with someone you know who could benefit. Just send them to akyoung.com where you'll find our free newsletter and for more podcast episodes. Search for the show on any major podcasting platform. Don't forget to subscribe where you're listening right now. And if you liked it, leave a rating or review. Hey guys, I hope you liked this episode. If you did like this episode and if you like to support the show, please head to arkyan.com/patreon. It would be great if you guys could support us in with $1. It goes a long way in keeping us motivated and release episodes on a weekly basis. Thanks guys. I'll see you guys in the next episode. Cheers. <laughs>